Welcome to the Grace Point Church Podcast. Here at Grace Point Church, we believe in meeting people where they are and leading them to where God wants them to be. Join us now as we listen to this week's message. When I was maybe 10, 11 years old, we took a family trip to Lake Tahoe. And Lake Tahoe is about three and a half hours drive from here. Uh, we had this big, huge 1972 Ford LTD station wagon, you know, the kind that you just let the kids lay down in the back, and the thing was made out of steel, so it pretty much would destroy anything that it ran into. But we were heading into Tahoe, and there's a place when you're going into South Lake Tahoe called the Y, and you come down the mountain, and you're there, and then to the right, you go to where all the casinos are, and to the left, you go to where all the nature is. But right at the Y, there was a Chinese restaurant. So on our way into Tahoe, my parents decided that we were going to stop at a Chinese restaurant, which I always thought was weird because you're coming from the Bay Area where there are Chinese restaurants everywhere. You drive all the way into the mountains to find the one Chinese family in Lake Tahoe who has a Chinese restaurant. But we did it anyway. We went went to the Chinese restaurant, and we all sat down, and all of us ate pretty well except for one of my brothers who did not eat at all. The reason that he didn't eat was because of these chopsticks. And my father insisted that all of us eat with chopsticks when we're in a Chinese restaurant. Because in China, apparently, when they eat, they eat with chopsticks. So if you're going to be in a Chinese restaurant, you have got to eat with chopsticks. So my brother, who can be a bit rebellious at times. He pulled one of those we're in America now things and uh, said, no, I am going to eat with a fork. And my father said, no, you are not. If you are going to eat, you are going to eat with chopsticks. And he ended up not eating for the whole meal. And I really didn't understand it until I had kids of my own. And I thought that my dad was just, you know, trying to give us a hard time. But you know how hard it is to learn how to use chopsticks when you're an adult? It is a lot harder. But when you learn it when you're young, it's easy. And he wanted us to learn how to use chopsticks, not because it made him feel any better, but for him, this was a value that he he thought that was important. He thought it was something that his kids should do that he wanted to pass along to his children. As you can see, I learned really well. But today, I want to talk to you about another father and another person and something that happened to him that has to do with how he thought about the next generation. We're we're going to look at a guy, and his name was Hezekiah, and Hezekiah was a king. He was a king of Israel, and he lived a long, long time ago. I mean, we're talking for 4,000, 4,500 years ago when Hezekiah was the king of Israel, and while he was king, he he put into place a lot of reforms. He, he was able to rebuild Israel. He was able to protect Israel from the enemies all around. And while Hezekiah was king, he was able to make Israel a, a truly great nation. Towards the end of his life, Hezekiah got really, really sick, very sick. And so Hezekiah prays. God sends his prophet to Hezekiah, and the prophet says to him, God is giving you 15 more years. 15 more years. And Hezekiah was thrilled. He was very excited. 
I got 15 more years. So this is where our story starts, and this is where we're going to pick it up. We're in Isaiah chapter 39, and this is what it says. It says, soon after this, Merodach Baladan, son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent Hezekiah his best wishes and a gift. Now, you have to understand the significance of Babylon and Israel at this time. See, the country that had been beating up on on, uh, Israel was Assyria, which is pretty much where modern-day Syria is. And the Assyrians were 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 the powerhouse at that time, and they kept coming in, and Israel was able to fend them off. Israel was able to be victorious because God sent Israel prophets that helped them know what to do in order to be victorious. So the two nations that were sparring with and always fighting with Assyria was Israel and Babylon. And so at this point in history, Babylon and Israel are both independent of Assyria. So for Babylon to come to enter into this story, it meant that it was a good thing for Hezekiah because Babylon could be an ally in his fight against Assyria. So he says he sent Hezekiah his best wishes and a gift. He had heard that Hezekiah had been very sick and that he had recovered. So Babylon knew what was going on. They knew that the good king of Israel was sick, and everyone thought that he was going to die. Everyone thought that. And yet he recovered. So this was news all the way to Babylon. Hezekiah was delighted with the Babylonian envoys and showed them everything in his treasure houses. So here's Hezekiah's thinking. These guys could be helpful in protecting my nation against the Assyrians. They're being nice to me, so I like that, right? When our enemy's enemy wants to be our friend, that's a good thing. So Hezekiah, he is delighted that the Babylonians are there. And so what does he do? He shows them everything in his treasure houses. He shows them the silver. He shows them the gold, the spices, and the aromatic oils. He also took them to see his armory and showed them everything in his royal treasuries. This is not unusual, right? Isn't this the same thing that we do when we have company over at our house? When we know the people are coming over, we we take the the sheets off of the good couches. Come on, you guys, am I the only one that had sheets on the good couches? Right? You take the sheets off the good couches, you dust things, you take out all the nice stuff. You know, if you're going to have dinner, it's always the new china that you use. You want the people who are coming to your house to be impressed, so you show them all of your good stuff. Well, this is the same thing that Hezekiah was doing. He had people coming over, and he wanted them to see everything. And so he took them around and showed them all of his royal treasures. There was nothing in his palace or kingdom that Hezekiah did not show them. Now, this would be all right if this was a family friend, if this was my cousin from New Jersey who I never see, but these guys are potential enemies. It says, then Isaiah the prophet went to King Hezekiah and asked him, what did those men want and where were they from? Now, these are questions that in the tone he's asking them, he's kind of asking them in an accusatory way because it is impossible that if the envoys of Babylon are are in the kingdom, that the prophet of the king doesn't know what's going on. So he's saying to him, what did those men want? Where are they from? He's trying to get 
Hezekiah to admit that he has done something wrong here. And so Hezekiah replies, but they came from the distant land of Babylon. See, he's trying to say, but I showed them everything because they came from so far away. I was just being polite. I mean, if you have guests from far away, you want to be polite to them. And so he's telling them, they came from so far away. That's why I showed them everything. I just wanted to be nice. And Isaiah responds and he says, what did they see in your palace? In other words, he's saying to them, did you just show the whole world everything that you've got in your house? I remember growing up, we got a TV. We, we used to have this old Zenith, you know, the kind with the knob that went clunk, 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 right? So we got a new TV. It was a Sony. And I remember that it was garbage day, and, and we were getting ready to throw the garbage out, and we had that box with the Sony with the styrofoam, you know, that keeps it in place. And I was thinking that we were going to drag that box out to the street and just leave it there, and the garbage guys would pick it up. This was back before there was a limit on garbage. I mean, pretty much garbage days in the 70s, you could put anything by the side of the road and they'd pick it up. But my dad said no. He said, you can't put that box out there. And he proceeded to take a, 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 a box cutter, and, and he was cutting it up into little pieces. And, and I didn't understand why, so I just kind of stood there um, watching him. And he told me, he said that the reason that you don't leave the box out there is because anybody who's driving by knows you have a brand new TV in your house. You know, you're, you're like advertising that for, for the bad guys to come and take anything they want in your house because you're telling them, you're even showing them exactly how big it is. And all they have to do is take the box and they even have the box when they rob your house. See, he, you don't want everyone to know. You only, there's certain people you want to know, but you don't want everyone to know what is it that they've got. So Isaiah's saying, hey, what did they see in your palace? Come on, did you really show them everything? And Hezekiah replies, and I can see Hezekiah, right? It's like the prophet is yelling at him, hey, come on, seriously, what did you do? And he's here and he says, they saw everything. They saw it all. I showed them everything I own, all my royal treasuries. Now think about this. Remember back when he was telling him about all the things that he was showing him? He didn't just show the, the envoys from Babylon all of the, the, the treasures. He didn't just show them the gold and, and the aromatic oils. He didn't show them only that. He also showed them the armory. So not only did the Babylonians now know everything that they could get if they were to invade Israel, they also knew how much weaponry Israel had to be able to defend against an attack. He showed them everything. And obviously, Isaiah isn't happy. And he says this. He says, it says, Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Listen to this message from the Lord of heaven's armies. Now, it's very significant that Isaiah says, that Isaiah refers to the Lord as the Lord of heaven's armies. Because you see, what Hezekiah was thinking and why he wanted to be so nice to the guys from Babylon was that this is a way for me to protect my country. He was saying, he was thinking, if I could just make nice with the Babylonians, then together, if the Assyrians attacked, we would be able to defend 
Israel because we'd have help from the Babylonians. He was trying to make a partnership for his protection. And what Isaiah was reminding him was that in the past, every single time that Hezekiah and Israel went up against another army, they went up against the Assyrians, they went up against any country that tried to invade them, that God was the one that protected them. That in every battle that Hezekiah went in, he was outmatched and outgunned, and every single time, God was the one who pulled him through. And so he's telling him, listen, listen to this message from the Lord of heaven's armies. See, he's trying to chide him a little bit there. He's trying to say, listen, have you forgotten that it wasn't your armies that brought you all of this success? It was heaven's armies. And this is what the message was. He said, the time is coming when everything in your palace, all the treasures stored up by your ancestors until now, So he's saying all of those things that you showed to the Babylonians, all of those things that you've gathered, all of those things that you are so proud of, all of it will be carried off not to the Assyrians, not to the people that he knows are his enemy. It's going to be carried off to Babylon. It's going to be carried off to the nation of those guys that he showed everything to. They are going to be the ones to get it. And he says, nothing will be left, says the Lord. The guys that he was trying to make a deal with are going to be the guys that eventually are going to destroy them. And here's the weird part. Because... Isaiah, we, we, we skip some of the verses, and you can go and read them for yourself, but Isaiah talks about this destruction that is going to happen to Hezekiah, to, to Israel. And he, he talks about how it's going to affect his children and how his children are going to, to, to really feel the pain of this and that his entire nation is going to go. But it's going to happen after Hezekiah's 15 years. And so Hezekiah says to Isaiah, this message you have given me from the Lord is good. How can that possibly be good? How can it possibly be good news that his children are going to be carried off to a foreign country? How could it possibly be good news that everything that he and his ancestors have accumulated until now are going to be going to somebody else? How can it possibly be good news that his home, his nation, his people are all going to become slaves? How is that good news? And this is what Hezekiah says. Or what it says, it says, For the king was thinking, at least there will be peace and security during my lifetime. I don't get that. I don't understand how you can just be thinking about the race that you're in and not be thinking about the people who are coming after you. How can you just think, well, as long as my life is fine, it doesn't matter to me what happens after I die. It doesn't matter what happens to my children after I die. It doesn't matter what happens to my people after I'm gone. As long as everything is hunky-dory with me while I'm here, that's all that matters. And that's what Hezekiah was thinking. He was thinking... 
I don't care what happens after me. And this doesn't just apply to individuals and families. This also applies to us as a church. Because if the only thing that happens is that week after week, we come here, we get together, we have a good time, and then as soon as we're done, everything falls apart, then we haven't really accomplished anything. If it doesn't go on past us, then we haven't really accomplished anything. And see, in as much as at the time it made absolutely no sense to me why my father was being so adamant or a pain in the adamant <laughs> about these stupid chopsticks, 30 years later, 40, 30 years later, I get it, right? I get it. I understand. It's not because... It's not because he was worried about that meal that we were having. He was thinking about his children when he's gone. The Apostle Paul, thinking this same way, invested himself into people past himself. And one of the people that he invested himself in was a young man named Timothy. And Paul would take Timothy with him and then when Paul and Timothy were separated, Paul would write letters to him to encourage him, to teach him, to strengthen him, to prepare him for his own ministry past when Paul was around. And so Paul wrote to Timothy, and, and in 2 Timothy, this is what he says, and this is Paul now talking, the Apostle Paul. He says this, That is why I am suffering here in prison. But I am not ashamed of it, for I know the one in whom I trust. Now he's saying, listen, there is some, I, I'm suffering right now because it doesn't matter whether you're in 2018 or 1018 or 18, prison is not a nice place to be. And he's in prison and he's suffering. And he's saying, listen, I'm not ashamed of that because there's somebody that I trust in. And I am sure that he is able to guard what has, that ice not there, to guard what has been entrusted to me until the day of his return. I am sure that he is able to guard what has been entrusted to me until the day of his return. This is what he's saying. He's saying someone that I trust has entrusted something to me. He's given me something. He's given me something that I have to take care of until he comes back for it. And he goes on and he says this. Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. And he's going to tell him this for a reason. Be strong because you have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. So now what is he talking about? What was that thing that was so valuable? What was that thing that he was entrusted with? It was the message of the love of Jesus. It was the message of the life that Jesus led, the, the things that Jesus taught, and the entire idea that Jesus gave up his life for you and for me. And Paul is saying, listen, you've been with me. We've been hanging out. We have been going places. You have heard me teach things. And these are not things that I made up. You've heard other people, reliable people around, confirm all of the things I've been telling you. 
And now he says this, now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. It's not enough for you to get the truth in you and keep it for yourself. Ooh, it's an omen. It's not enough for you to come here and hear about it and go, oh, that was nice, and leave and keep it to yourself. It's not enough for you to just hold on to it while you've got it, but let it end with you. And listen, if you are a parent, if you're going to be a parent, this is already inherent in you. You know this. There are things that you want your children to have. There are things that you want your children to know. There are things that you want to make sure that live beyond you. Right? Maybe it's not chopsticks. Maybe it's learning how to change the oil in your car or learning how to change a flat tire or, or how to, to, to fix a hole in the wall. There is something in us that understands that we want what we have to live beyond us. But it's the same thing with God's Word. That when we see what God's Word has done in our lives, what it can do, the potential that it has to change lives, that it's not enough for us to just have it now. That we have to be willing and able and understanding enough to be able to push it on to the next generation. A life successfully lived leaves a lasting foundation for the next generation. There are some of you here who are parents now. And I want to encourage you even when it seems like it's not working. Continue to invest in your children. The little things, the little things that they are going to look at you and say, that's ridiculous, I don't understand why I need to know that. Don't be shy about teaching them those things because one day it will make sense to them even if it doesn't make sense to them now. And maybe there are some of you here who your children are long gone. Or maybe you think your children are too old. And maybe you look at the story of Hezekiah and you're wondering to yourself, have I already blown it? Is it too late? Is everything that I have done so far pointless and now here I am and I don't have any chance to make any changes anymore? Well, let me encourage you with this. God's Word says that he works everything together for the good of those that love him. Standing here, years later, with kids of my own, I can look back and I can see all of the little things that my father taught us about. And all of the things in, in life that my father thought were important, that he didn't know how to do it, maybe he didn't know exactly how to do it nicely, but I remembered them. And those things come back and they stick with you and your kids will remember all of the things that you did. Even though it may have seemed like a mistake, it may have seemed like you screwed it up, time changes a lot of those things. And they'll be able to look back on that and see. Not because we did such a great job, but because God works everything together for the good of those that love Him. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. 
Grace Point Church is located in South San Francisco, California. For more information, look us up online at www.wearegracepoint.com.